0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hi, we're k- on k Wild Radio. We're live today, and this is Patty Holstrand, of course. And we are uh, interviewing one of the first authors I, I received when I started this business in uh, publishing. And the interesting thing about uh, Donald is Donald Jocks is that uh, the well, the interesting story is that I met Don in a writing group, you know, critique group, which I highly recommend for any new authors. Um, And I met Don in a critique group. I've been going there for a few months, and uh, he showed up the first night, and he asked whether or not, uh, you know, different things that he could bring in, because he was writing a lot of different genres at the time. And because of that, he wanted to know if anybody would be offended if he put into the you know, if, into the kitty for everyone to read. Let put you on hold for a sec? And the story is that he kind of asked whether or not anybody would be uh, offended if he brought in some erotic material. And they said, well, you know, the other ladies in the group and, and guys said, well, you know, um, we're not really sure about that. It's not really sci-fi fantasy because that was really kind of kind of the focus they were shooting for. And I <laughs> think pointed to me because I was the only single woman in the group and or you know some of the people said well they pointed you for other reasons but anyway it was kind of funny and I I leaned forward and looked at him it was first time I saw him because he was uh he, he was sitting with somebody between us so I didn't know anything about him at all I got in there a little bit later so I leaned forward and said well how offensive is it yeah that was the beginning of our friendship and our uh business relationship as well uh It wasn't too long after that I read his his piece I took it home with me and uh, a few days later, I emailed him and said, Okay, we could either wait two weeks for our regular meeting or we could go ahead and meet somewhere and um I had the available time that weekend because my son was at his father's um his father's Apartment for that weekend, so I said, well, you know, we could meet. this just Saturday, we could meet, you know, this evening, somewhere. And he said, well, he's in trade, and I said, and I thought, okay, I don't know this guy. Um, I have no clue if he's, you know, a serial serial killer or what. So I said, well, you know, I'm gonna meet him somewhere safe. Uh, <laughs> being a single person and a and a mother, you have to keep, you know be careful these days. So I said, Well, you know what? Let's just go to go for coffee and have a uh and we'll go over your 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 story together and he says, Okay, okay, well he said, Well what time? I said, Well okay, well I'm dropping my son off about four. We can, I can go ahead and meet you somewhere around five and he says he said, Okay, well why don't we meet at five thirty at uh a Denny's we can just, you know, have a light dinner or something and I said, Oh Okay, and then I thought to myself, well, hey, Denny's is safe. It's the all-American restaurant, and so I said, okay, well, we'll meet, and, and uh, Denny's is safe enough, so we'll go ahead and meet there. And five thirty, I get there, and uh, needless to say, it was three thirty in the morning by the time we actually parted ways. So we had a lot of things in common, and I said, okay, that's <laughs> we did we did get a we did go over to the material, obviously and told him, you know, we went through um, paragraph by paragraph on the story and I said, well, at the time I said, I, I think that you're writing from the wrong point of view. You're writing from the male point of view and you're target marketer of women because it's a romance. And I said, I'm sorry to tell you that this is not erotic material. <laughs> he goes, oh really? I said, yeah. I said, I know erotic material. This is not it. So, said oh okay so what would you categorize it and say well i would categorize it as essential romance and if you know anything about romance sensual romance is that obviously you're you're going to see what's going on in the relationship and in, in the bedroom but you're not it's not going to be uh graphic and it's not that the language is soft there's not um not a lot of harsh language to it it's not urban urbanized at all it's uh, you're going to have uh, it's, it's not sex for sex sake it's story behind um, each scene and you have more story than you do sex scenes that's, that's what central romance is and so I said well this is central romance and I don't think you're going to really offend anybody with what you wrote here and he said oh okay so I said okay this is how I said I think you need to go from the woman's point of view. you think you can do that? And he goes, yeah, I think I can do that. And sure enough, he took it back and he rewrote uh, what he wrote and he added some things. And, and he said, well, you know, I've got this other story. I've got a couple other books already ready to go. Um, what do you think about that? And I, and I said, sure, I'll read it. So I read those. And um, one was a coming-of-age story. It's a fantasy. Very nice, easy read. It's uh, you know your your typical fantasy where the, the young boy goes off on a quest and and he uh, has to search for himself and his family ties. Obviously, he grows from the experience and the adventure is is he gets other people to come into the adventure with him. And so it's your classic classical fantasy adventure and age, coming-of-age story about a young boy who grows to be a man. Um, That was his first story and the second one was Ancestors which is a druid uh, story based on the origins of uh, of Atlantis. I said, well, this is interesting. It's historical historical fantasy. So he really hasn't gotten out of that fantasy realm there except obviously with his romance story, which is more contemporary. But this is a person who could write in in multiple genres and and get away with it pretty easy. He's very easy to read. He's uh, more literary. um, More literary meaning that uh, he's more what I would call if if I were going to pick up a story from Hemingway. um, This is Don's the Hemingway of today. And Hemingway was really talked about the characters and not so much the story, but the characters itself. And that's how he writes is mostly about character driven story. And uh, so he's got more books that go with the ancestors and I'll let him tell you about that, but he's got a lot of books that he's putting into the queue here, but really there's no other publisher who would take this many genres from any given author. So, I said, Well, you know, you should get these published. And he says, Well, yeah, but I don't want to wait two years. So, like a lot of you guys, he's very impatient. Uh, We are waiting for Don to get on the line. So, I'm going to go ahead and put you guys on hold for two minutes, and we'll be right back.
2: Well,
1: like you I said I am trying to wait until Don can get to the uh, to the phone to be able to uh, talk to us. But the story is that now we got plenty of time to talk about this. But he's got a lot of different stories to tell, and because he had a series that was of multiple genres, and what I mean is the ancestors. Is a historical fantasy, and some of his others are into other formats, other genres. So he's got like a, I think it's 11 or 12 book series, and they're all going to be like three, three, and three in different genres as well. <laughs> yeah, there is no other publisher who would really do that um, that I know of, unless you go to a small publisher. And he said, well, what about you? I said, what do you mean about me? I'm not a publisher. And he says, yes, but why not? Why can't you be a publisher? Well, yeah, I thought about that for a little while. I published magazines before in the past. Uh, I also published catalogs. I'm a graphic designer of 22 years, and 14 of those years have been in a print shop. So I started talking to my uh, my boss and my friend uh, Wayne Sherg, about getting books into his, you know constructing books and, and actually producing books in his print shop. And and that took a while. Uh, we were going back and forth. We had talked about this before. This, because I said, you know, about six years ago, I said, I think printing is going to change. We need to get into something else, diversify into some other area, because the normal business printing, I think, is going to fall by the wayside. People are going to option for printing themselves because printers yeah, printers copiers and machines are getting better cheaper. And so I think that a lot of people are going to wind up printing their own stuff at home. Um, and he wasn't at the time, but you know, we as as any business you try to figure out how you're going to pay for things. Um, he did finally get into into printing books and suddenly actually it was um, December of two thousand and eight. I had started this uh, AZ Publishing Services. I used to have another business called Desktop Generated Designs, and that's a graphic design house here as well. Before I started working for a print shop, um, I was I had my own business doing catalogs and magazines and other materials for customers. And I said, well. Uh, I needed to, wanted to do another company, so rather than doing another company, you just dissolve dissolve one and, and incorporate it into another. So okay, that's what I'm going to do. Change it to AZ Publishing Services to allow the publishing part to come through because that's what I was really into at the time—a lot more publishing of catalogs and magazines. So I, I changed the name, incorporated in September 2008. By December 2008, um, Wayne had decided suddenly to jump into books. <laughs> so uh, January spent getting the printer in place, getting getting uh, the machines in place, and testing uh, the production of the book. It was in May of 2009 that I printed uh, our first books, and... That's when I met Charles Burgess online, and he wanted a publisher as well, but he wanted to be a publisher as well. He wanted to be an imprint. And that's when imprint, uh, Imprints Underneath AZ Publishing came to be. Charles started that, and uh, he was, so we had three first books. We, we had Moonstone, which was uh, Don's first book, and he wrote that like 20 years before then. Um, this is you know, several years ago when we did this in 2009. Um, then my first book, Time Conquers All, I figured if, if you know, I had been searching for a publisher as well and, and had um, some mild success in, in going back and forth with agents, but had, nobody had taken the plunge yet. So I said, okay, well, obviously if I'm going to be a publisher for others, I might as well be a publisher for my stuff as well. After all, I'm paying for the ISBNs, and I bought myself a block of 100 ISBNs at the time. At the time, they, they cost more, so they're $1,200 worth of uh, investment, and got it started. Um, the first three books were Time Conqueror's All for Me, Moonstone for Don and Don't Say You Do If You Don't for Charles Burgess. And those were all three done by May of 2009. When I went to BIA, I had them in my hands. Um, so that's how AZ Publishing got started, and we are now 39 books later, um, and we have another 10 coming in for for September, and, um, as I always say, people have to invest in themselves, they have to believe in their dreams, and if they, if they're not going to do it, who will, um. And yes, it's very hard to be an author and publishing yourself. So what I've done is, okay, we're insulating you guys. So this bakery, our AZ Publishing is going to be your design house. Is where your print distribution publisher for any imprint that's underneath us. Uh, And I help the imprints to print their books, to print, distribute, and to produce. Uh, A lot of these imprints don't have a clue what they're doing. Uh, They they have no idea how to pull it together. What it takes, the different aspects of it. Okay, hang on a second. I believe that Don's on the line. And that's how Easy Publishing got started, and, and Don was the product of that, and of course it was all his fault. <laughs> With uh, The Handyman was the first morsel that, that I was interested in, and it was it wound up being the very first. Uh, it wound up being one of the books that took the longest to get. So it's now four years later, and since the time that I read uh, his story, Back in may of two thousand and eight, actually it last sooner now sorry it's been five it's been four years now, so <laughs> calculate that back. It was two thousand and seven when we met so um that was the story behind the handyman uh he has in in since that time uh taken it to another new level It's not just a romance anymore. He had because he has put a lot of suspense in there. Uh, it's got a whole new plot twist to it and has made it actually an even more interesting book. And we already worked on some uh, ideas for his second and third installment for The Handyman. So that's the story behind The Handyman, so kind of. Uh, he does have his part of the story, but I'll let him tell you that. And we're going to put you on a two, two-minute two break, uh, one minute and 59 seconds, and I will have Donna online. So let me set that up. I'll be right back. This is K Wad Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand. And get ready for anybody who wants to call in. is 714-242-5145.
2: Okay. Introduce me in, and we're good.
1: This is K Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand. We're on live with Donald Jocks, and I, I told you the story, and, and uh, the famous story that how we met and how we have become partners in this um, crusade for the written word, and the fact that he's so impatient that he just had to hire me as his publisher, even though I wasn't one at the time. Um, And it is all your fault.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, in the battle of man and woman, there are winners, not so many losers, and then there are winners.
1: What? (laughs) Okay.
0: The wonderful thing about being a writer is that I get to do things like that
1: was say absurd things that really make no sense. Absurd
0: things that make absolutely no sense.
1: Well, you know, with the population <laughs> the way it is, okay. I always often said this about poetry. You know, no no you know, nothing bad about poetry, but it is in the eyes of the beholder. And some people will love what you wrote in your poetry and someone are going like, huh? Yeah you know? <laughs> They won't get it.
0: Poetry is perhaps the most emotional written component there ever was it, You can uh, an author can write a scene and in that scene describe a wonderful sunset and it might take a page to do it well to capture the feelings that the reader uh, might experience and to, to describe it in such a way that it touches the reader a poet on the other hand has got to do that in four lines Maybe six
1: well, they have to be and, really uh stingy on their words,
0: well, but not only that, but with the use of of, of rhythm and rhyme and placement and structure a, a poet has to be able to capture the entire image and photograph of a moving scene in such a tiny space and and poetry is about touching the inner soul anyway um. Far be it for me, as a romance writer, to try and touch the inner soul of anybody, but
2: um, (laughs) that took
0: you a while.
1: Touch the inner soul of anybody, huh?
0: Mm -hmm. Hey, I am a guy. I am a man. I am proud of being a male human being. (laughs) I like it.
1: Uh, just a warning that this is a mature audience. Um, I did list as a mature, so that way children can uh, inadvertently listen to your type of humor.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Because uh, you will be talking about the toolbox in a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you yeah.
0: mentioned the story behind the mm-hmm. Um, I have been writing since high school, and in you know, all of that time, there are things that we that come across our paths that we are touched by, or that cause us to consider our our lot in life, or our position, and different things like that. And you know, sometimes the experiences that we face challenge us. Mm-hmm. Um, a long time ago, when I parted company with one of my companions, and I ended up um, pretty much strapped financially, moved into a roommate situation. And during that time, I remember one day, one of my roommates, I was online looking up um, uh, adult dating sites, and, you know, just kind of exploring, looking at the pictures, reading some of the the. the profiles and so forth, and not really making any headway. I was still too chicken to do anything. <laughs> and I remember one of these roommates come up behind me one time and driving me nuts. He says, hey, Don, look, they've got a neurotic story section. And I said, so? He says, well, you're a writer. You should write something. As, and as, if, as if it was
1: that easy.
0: As if it was that easy. Um, And Over the next course of the next week or two, he he would catch me walking through the house and he'd say, well, did you write your story yet? And after about two weeks of this, almost every day, him annoying me to no end, I decided to go ahead and I wrote a story. And that story uh, was submitted to the erotic group and... Uh, I woke up the next morning, and was checking my email, and I had notices of responses from the dating site. I thought, oh, okay, some ladies saw my profile, and that would be cool. And I get on there, and it's like six messages overnight, and they all commented on the story. They loved it.
1: (laughs) They didn't want you uh, as a date, but they wanted you
0: for your story. Well, one of them was a couple.
1: That's getting kind of kinky.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. So, anyway, I thought, okay, well, okay, th- th- this is interesting. And I thought, well, okay, overnight, six people checking this out, and then, okay, this is interesting. So, I wrote a second one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the first one was called, I think it was Melissa, was the first one. And the second one was, I think, Miss Carol.
1: I think it was Mrs. Schiller.
0: No, Miss Carol was second. Miss
1: Carol was second? Miss
0: Carol was second.
1: No wonder you got more hits.
0: Miss um, Carroll ended up, um, I submitted that in the, about mid-afternoon, and by the next morning I had six or seven more emails saying they loved that one too and wanted more. Now, these these, these were six or seven emails in addition to the ones that I had the first day. Right. So these were new readers. Right. I was picking up six, seven readers a day at this point. Of course, I'm only into it for two days, so my head's swelling up really yeah, huge.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I thought, hell, me, you know, this is interesting, and so I thought, okay, we'll do one more because the readers had specifically asked for one more story, and so I wrote a third, and I had another seven or eight responses the next day, of new readers. Uh, okay, this is cool, this is cool, so I decided at that point, I says, okay, okay, there's three stories, three basic chapters, and I started collecting it into a book. And I began writing scenes from that time forward where um, more scenes like that and ended up with, I think I had a grand total of six or seven by the time um, I started building a story around it. And then I built the story of Gil as the handyman who uh, who comes into the lives of each of these women. And... The story grew from there and became the romance component of this handyman named Gil who works in an apartment complex and he he is not a man to sleep around that is not what he does
1: right so that's the first thing people need to understand
0: this this is not a sex book <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> why so I said. You know, I said, well, you didn't really have an errata book. It was basically this essential romance. This is this is there, this a, is a romance. I already and, explained what the difference was.
0: And you know, when we look at a lot of romance today, the books that are out there fall into to varying degrees of, of titillation. Uh, everything from the wonderful boy meets girl. Told from the girl's point of view, and, and she just goes gaga yeah, they, over this guy with this they huge might, chest They and,
1: might, they might get a first kiss, and yeah, that's about they it. they
0: might get a kiss, and you might see the door close in the hayloft. Um, <laughs> to those, those other stories that go into exorbitant detail
2: mm-hmm.
0: of every movement and motion and sigh mm-hmm. and groan and moan and. How much juice ended up on the sheets? Okay, and so so.
1: Now that's actually, and for everybody, that's a little higher up there. that, that you, is. You have like five stages, mm-hmm. I understand.
0: Yeah, well, there are some websites that have done that.
2: Uh-huh. Where, I, I, don't where think, I
1: don't think you had the juices lately, you know, no. expelling like fun and mm. leaving. No, no, no. So, the, the, he, so he, he's between the the puppy dog love thing and the. Uh, and to shut the door, Mm -hmm. you know, come on in and and join us kind of thing.
0: Well, the thing of it is, (laughs) when people pick up the handyman, what they're going to find is it is a romance of, uh, at at the beginning, it's a romance of love lost.
2: Mm.
0: Um, The handyman hires on, he's probably at the complex a couple of years, and In the process, he meets and begins to date a woman, Deirdre, who is our main character. And Deirdre is a a, a therapist at the hospital. And we find out in the first couple of chapters of the book that... Physical
1: therapist, by the way. Physical
0: therapist, thank you. Um, We find out that they struck up a, a, a rather hearty romance uh, in the early part of their relationship, until one night, um, Gil is coming home and hears noises down the alley mm-hmm. at the back of the complex. And as he comes round, uh he finds Deirdre lying on the ground, her clothes are wrecked, she's been stabbed, yeah. left for dead. Yeah. Um, and he grabs the cab driver nearby, and they rush her to the hospital. She barely survives. He helps her home and in the process of getting her home and, and being there to take care of her.
1: So this is your this is your suspense that you've added to the story.
0: No, I'm getting to that. Uh the the romance part of this is is what happens to their relationship, first of all, as he has to as he is charged with taking care of her.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: takes that on himself. He loves her. He cares for her. We we learn this through through the discussion of the characters in the in the first part of the book. In the first chapter of Handyman, however, this in in this time frame of the story, he ends up in the hospital. He's hit by a car, pinned against a wall, and it is Deirdre who finds him. And but since the time that she was attacked and the time that Gil is struck by the car is over a year's time and they have not been close since she returned to work This has been over a year in this time they have they have been very no
1: sexual relationship
0: no sexual relationship in fact they never consummated their relationship prior
2: that, that's they never got interesting. that close that's interesting
0: okay yeah. they never had the chance to consummate yeah. that relationship so we have these two people they they live in the same complex Mm-hmm. They catch each other, meet each other in the hallway all the time in general things. And and this is just the setup for the story.
2: Right.
0: Um in the opening of the book we we see we meet Gil coming home from something that evening, his own personal entertainment for whatever it was, and he is struck by a car. And in the course of the book we we follow um, we follow Gil's Gradual, and I do mean very gradual. Recover over the course of several weeks in the hospital, he does recover, um, and Deirdre ends up taking him home and helping to nurse him back to health. Um, the, but we also introduce another character into this, and that is is, is this nefarious character who has has begun attacking women again. And this individual um
2: our bad guy
0: our bad guy, purely almost an accident in the choices that he makes, eludes the police in some ways uh, somewhat humorous ways uh in in how he approaches eluding the police,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but he is a very troubled uh individual mm-hmm. um he is he is acting out in in anger and um Base he's instincts. Like he's
1: definitely got problems. Yeah. He's
0: definitely got some problems, um, and and we kind of the the book will touch on those a little bit as it explores his character, but he is a really nasty critter, um, and so as the story develops, we meet.
1: I don't think he. I don't think he's nasty. I think that he's. I guess that disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: definitely
1: disturbed.
0: Well, from his point of view, he is not the one who is disturbed. No, he is see, perfectly fine. Of
1: course, and that's that's
0: it's just exactly everybody it. else see, that pisses him off.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that that's <laughs> that's what makes when somebody's truly disturbed is when everybody else is a problem and you're not. Uh-huh. Um, and now, no, that's what makes me. So I'm sure our answer. listeners
0: are, are wondering how does this fit in with a sensual romance story? Well in order because gill is in the hospital we don't get to know him
1: right not first person
0: not in the first person sense we don't see him interacting with people much uh and in, and in fact throughout the book we see very little of gill himself and yet gill is our hero
1: uh-huh.
0: and so, so that was
1: an interesting way to, to do what i asked you to do which was putting it in a woman's point of view <laughs> so he he he, six, he pins a guy in a behind a car and puts him to the hospital, makes him puts him in the coma, and then and then, you know, we see Gil through all these other women's point of view.
0: <laughs> there are roughly seven women in the story who are crucial to the story. Um, there are um, six of the women we learn through their eyes and their experiences what they know of Gil. Gil impacts these six women in a very uh, personal and intimate way in their lives, guiding them through a very troubling point in their lives. Mm. And they each have their own intimate experience with Gil, but he does things in, in, in a very unusual way. And his goal is not simply to satisfy himself Hmm. nor is it to engage these women to become part of him as in a harem or something like this or groupies or anything like that but his goal is to honestly um provide some to, to heal, heal yeah it, it's it's very much a, a healing experience for these women in each each individual instance something different happens um uh and and, and this aspect of intimacy is important to their development
1: right they allow i think if i could, if i could say they allow him to um be intimate with them and heals them, and in the process they're able to move on but not be physically attached them to him exactly which is interesting uh twist on and the, and and it's
0: just that they 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 come to him we often as as the humans that we are we often seek out solace, we seek out comfort, we seek out intimacy. With many, many people in our lives, and, and often we don't really want the long-term commitment of a relationship. And these women weren't sure at the stage in life that they were at, there is an aspect in, inside them they, they really weren't sure what they wanted. And in our own lives, we often find that sometimes there are events with other people that will solidify our point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. will make things clearer. It, it is as if these people whom we come in contact with pull the veil away from my eyes just long enough that we can see what is really important. Mm-hmm. And it is it is this aspect that Gil offers to these women. He has this knack to, in the course of, of being with these women, he pulls the veil away from their eyes, the cloudiness, the, the emotions. He frees them just long enough that they can see clearly and make choices that, in most cases, affect the rest of their lives. Um, Whether it's a new choice that they face, or whether it's putting a part of their life behind them. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and I I think think we've
1: all done that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh Some aspects in our lives some point in our lives we've had to you know let go of what we had at that time with that relationship mm-hmm. and and had to heal and then move on
0: mm-hmm. and it's, and of course
1: a progression of, of any loss
0: And core of the story as as we explore these women's experiences with Gill, we learn a little bit about gill we we get an understanding of some of his character. And, of course, it's in the last third of the book when all the cool stuff starts happening that we begin to really understand as all the characters come together. The book is written in, in a rather different track than I than I usually write in that... Um, I didn't you, think
1: you had a regular writing track.
0: <laughs> well, when I wrote Ancestors, Ancestors is a linear story. It's a, it's a traditional linear story. You start at the beginning. You have... Uh, Two thirds of the book, you discover about your characters, you experience their lives, and you live vicariously through them, the experiences they have, the climactic events, and then the close of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonstone was also written in that very much chronological form.
1: Right. I already um, I already talked about two of the books.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as also
1: being the coming of age, typical fantasy adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. As As I got into. Um, And uh, uh, handyman, handyman required a different tack. I almost had. uh, I I remember at one point taking inspiration from some of the TV shows that we see on time on TV, especially things like where where you have if you look like it's CSI or you look at Law and Order or many of these different uh, detective detective shows. You see, they don't just have one story track. Right. They have usually two or three.
2: Right.
0: And. They inevitably intertwine in some way, uh, whether it be they end up joining by the end of the episode or they end up diverging and you simply have the characters, as they cooperate between the two cases, things, things happen, they learn about each other, they learn about the cases, whatever. In, in The Handyman, I borrowed that technique to create basically three tracks through the story. There is the primary story track of Gil. He goes to the hospital. You have the experiences of the women. You have the interplay as as they are questioned by the police, and the investigation goes forward. But that story track is about our main characters and and what is generally happening in their lives at Ocar's apartments.
1: Right, and how they met. And and
0: how they met, how they came to be, all of the the background information that we find about our characters, and we we learn to, to appreciate them and care for them in that way. The second track is is the police investigation itself. Now, one thing I didn't want to do is turn this into a murder mystery kind of book. That wasn't what I was after. But I wanted to have enough of the police investigation itself to engage the reader in what kind of steps did the police go through, what kind of things did they discover, what did they learn about our nefarious bad guy. Our third track is a very thin, very... Veiled in different different Nebulous spots.
1: Nebulous in a way,
0: I mean. Nebulous, in that we we get to experience some of the insides of our bad guy's brain. Yeah, we have a few experiences of what he's going through, how he's experiencing the people around him, and and the three the three tracks come together and they they diverge every once in a while, and we see um, uh th- there is a scene in the hospital where um, Deirdre is overhearing a conversation of, of a gaggle of nurses nearby, and they're talking about this, that, and the other. And, and as she leaves, she doesn't notice mm-hmm. that a young man is opening the door for her.
1: Right, it's something we just take for granted. It's something even that even many times, times we, yeah, yeah I,
0: even as a man, I, people will hold the door for me, and I absently say thank you. But, but later don't,
1: on... We won't really look at them.
0: Exactly. But. But later on in the book we find out that that particular individual is critical to what's going on in the book
1: yeah
0: and there there is in the deep back recesses of her mind a sense of recognition right. about this person yeah. but as to what it is
1: right.
0: it doesn't register and then her mind is off on the, the challenges and issues that she faces in right. the day
1: Exactly.
0: and so as 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 things go on, we we learn a little bit about each each group of our characters. And, and
1: this is something that I was telling uh, some authors recently, in that you don't write for the sake of writing. You got to write for a reason, and uh, scenes have to be in your story for a reason. Mm-hmm. If they're not going to move the story forward in some manner, then they shouldn't be there at all. Um, and I've uh, playing with a few of them on some of these things. But again, you don't have chapters in there that really don't move the story at all. Then you know what? the chop the whole darn thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you're very uh, because this book is not really that long, and yet no, it's, it's you've, you've got three tracks of storyline that actually all converge at the end, and climax is is cool, and <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest word I can say for it. And how all three tracks. Convergent in the end, um uh, all and of our
0: characters come together. there is the the issues placed at the beginning of the story. The questions asserted at the beginning of the story are almost all of them answered
2: yeah
0: um and uh,
1: they are all
0: for for most for many readers uh you know a good story gives you a question at the beginning some some mystery uh, whether it's a romance where your mystery is, is well, will they get together um and hopefully by the end of the story, that question is answered in some way, shape, or form. Uh, if or it's a Western, one, yeah. you've got the, the, good, the white hats versus the dark hats and who's going to win. We hope it's the white hats, but sometimes the dark hats win. So you have that, that as it's a story agree, develops. Right? Yeah, so right. you have these questions that must be answered in the course of the story. And the way that you develop those determines how well you keep your readers interested. And hopefully, I, I like to believe that I've done a good job of doing that. In, in the, I think
1: in that, the again by book. keeping it short and tweet that it did make it that much sweeter, mm-hmm. and the people are going to want more because of that. Uh, again, we don't get in-depth feel to Gil personally; we get him through other people's eyes. Yes, um, and he is really basically a worker. I mean, he, he's. Now <laughs> he is a character, though <laughs> he's, a character. Now, he's a handyman again. He's a handyman out at the apartment building, uh, in more ways than one. That um, he does take his tools seriously, and so we can discuss. Uh, I think we're probably ready to discuss this whole toolbox situation. Um, in the
0: course of in the <laughs> course of writing the story, I, I gave out uh, the three original chapters. Mm to several people and one of the very one of the very first questions they would always ask is is he's got a hell of a toolbox. Now of course saying it like that I don't want to give the listeners the wrong idea. We're referring to again in the toolbox things that he brings to the intimate session that are unusual. Unusual. Yes. And I'll I'll share just just one of these in the chapter entitled Miss Carol.
1: Don't want to give away too much. Eh? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Miss <laughs> Carol is my favorite chapter, by the way. Yeah. So I don't want to give that away too much. So try to lean back from telling the whole entire story like you no, like. No,
0: I won't tell okay. them the whole entire story. I will simply, because we're talking about the toolbox here. Yeah. So I will simply mention that he brings to Miss Carol a black plastic comb a pair of of uh cushy uh, velcro handcuffs
2: uh-huh.
0: and a bandana basically a blindfold
1: and then he looks for the feather
0: and then he lo- he he brings a feather okay, as so- well <laughs> So let your mind wander to. We <laughs> got the
1: Velcro, which I think we kind of is, kind of
0: figured
2: out. the Velcro out. costs are pretty okay. obvious.
0: And, 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 and the bandana, obviously. And the bandana he wants to do he's, he's going to torture. her eyes. He can cover her eyes. Cover her eyes and and, and but he can't see what he's going to do. It's not torture, it's about anticipation.
1: Right, but in some cases,
2: <laughs> like anticipation
0: is torture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but again, it's, it's more about the experience and the aspect of. Taking your time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, they, and Gil does that, um, much <laughs> to the excruciating uh, pleasure of, of the women he he services, if that's the right word for it.
1: Yeah, that's the right word um, for it. But <laughs> That's a very good word for it. There,
0: there,
2: is,
0: there is an experience that I did um, with a very close friend of mine some time ago. We went out to dinner one time at a prominent restaurant. And in the course of the restaurant, the dinner, right before we had dessert, I asked her to stand up and lean towards me and close her eyes. And in the process, I grasped a long, slender black straw from the table, and I laid it upon her bodice Right at her cleavage. I think
1: you like straws.
0: And I blew into the straw. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And she quivered and she shook.
1: Okay, so where did you put the straw?
0: Right at the at the point where her cleavage met at the top of her dress.
1: Okay. I got that in my head (laughs) then.
0: And I gave a very gentle, long breath. And she quivered and she shook.
1: And she laughed her head
0: off. And she laughed her head off. <laughs> and I do remember, though, that as she opened her eyes, she glanced across the room, and all the waiters had gathered at the end of the hallway <laughs> and were laughing their heads off. But Gil is, there. there is a lot of Gil, I think, in, in, in a lot of us. Gil is, is much like a little boy. He explores uh, in, in that regard, he do, doesn't. It's it's not like the guy carries a a holster of of, of dildos and and, and plugs. <laughs> um, this is a man who okay. prefers to to he, find he's ways.
1: unconventional. He's
0: unconventional. Tools.
1: Yeah, and
0: his know, arsenal of in his in his robots. arsenal of of. of Enjoyment of intimacy. Intimacy, yeah.
1: Intimacy. Again, is, again. I'm not, not going
0: to tell you that. how we use the comb. Yeah,
1: yeah that. I'm going to leave that part. one. That, I'm going to leave that one to your imagination. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but we've we actually. i to find out what else is in that toolbox. Yeah,
0: we're, we're actually we're actually in in discussions to to see if there's if there's enough to to justify an actual.
1: And Man's toolbox, you know, I mean, we, we've
0: talked about several things. I mean, I've listened to a, a handful little book of things. Was,
1: you know, explaining explaining for those who don't have enough imagination
0: <laughs> what to do with those tools. The proper way to use these, the because one of the things it. that you don't want to do is is you,
1: uh,
0: you don't want to hurt your partner.
1: Don't want to use, yeah. You
0: don't want to cause pain. I mean, they might
1: be going. in the pain, but still. So.
0: No, no, no. I, I don't go there, neither does Gil. It's Intimacy is about... Yeah, so he's
1: not about pain. He's, he's about... The, the the enjoyment
0: of the inspiration and and enjoyment of the moment for this he he chooses to look at innocuous things um in our lives in fact i'm i'm working on a chapter a story for a potential story for one of the other books um called toothbrush <laughs> oh,
2: really?
0: now you have to understand this is not your regular toothbrush that we see today with a motor on it that 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 that, that would hurt we're talking well, an old patent, style right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> those
0: bristles would hurt, no matter where you put
2: them, oh okay, well, okay, yeah,
0: going that fast, they're gonna hurt, mm. but we're talking an old style toothbrush, one that you really don't see much <laughs> anymore. treat
1: me, man. It's
0: not the brush okay. that's to be
2: used, okay in oh. some
0: in some old style toothbrushes, okay. there used to be a little rubber tip
2: uh-huh.
0: on the handle end of the toothbrush, yeah. It was very soft, it was very pliable, and it comes down almost to a little rounded point. It's not a sharp point, it's a little rounded point, and with deft fingers, the sensation of that tight a point on certain parts of the body... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's not just for cleaning out your nose. That's good. <laughs>
2: uh, and,
0: and, and there is a wealth of different ways to use things that are innocuous around the house. Everything from straws, like I said, the toothbrush, the black black plastic comb. Now, there's a reason that it needs to be a plastic comb.
1: Not that it has to be black.
0: Not that it has to be black. <laughs> and, and be careful <laughs> if you decide to use. And be here. careful if you choose to use a rat tail comb because those hurt. Um, just dropping one of those. In the right position, can can literally uh, it it can you know, I, hurt I, your skin and scratch I, you, yeah, you. So be wanna, careful.
2: I don't want to think about that. Yeah, oh, but but a good old
0: fashioned plastic comb. Again, for those cone. who have
1: pain, that might be an interesting tool uh,
0: box. I don't even <laughs> want to think about that. One. But you know, we see we see people exploring intimacy and sexuality today with all sorts of toys that are just downright scary.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, give any woman the option of a liquid of perhaps uh, warm chocolate. honey chocolate. or hot chocolate not hot chocolate, not hot chocolate but Ooh, warm hot. chocolate uh, and I mean chocolate sauce chocolate. that is thick and gooey, gooey and,
2: and,
0: and, and, and dribbles slowly across the and skin yeah. yeah okay okay now we're getting a bit <laughs> straight here um, so but the, yeah the, the toolbox is, is something that could be very intriguing, and and I have watched over the years, you know, we're all curious about many things, and so uh, we go into stores when nobody's looking, and we look at the various different things, but as <laughs> since I started writing The Handyman, I've begun to actually explore and look at the things that are out there, and, you know, some of these things that they're marketing in adult stores mm-hmm. or in, in places like Castles and, and so forth, they're scary. Yeah. You know, you're talking. Not that
1: I can say personally. Well, yeah. and and
0: then you go across uh, the Internet and you have these machines that you can buy for thousands of dollars that, that look like they're just going to rip you wide open or, or you know, break it off kind of thing. You know, literally. Well, you know,
1: I, scary. I, just, I think I saw in the movie uh, once where they had these gadgets hanging on the walls mm-hmm. and the ceilings. So you had, you know, women trapped these things on the ceiling and like that's just kind of like, well, Wait there's a, there's, there's
0: a great scene in Dolly Parton's movie Nine to Five where they get their boss
1: oh, yes, and they have yes, him yes, hanging
0: yes. from the ceiling yeah. in his underwear and, and
1: retractable, and yeah, retractable buttons. Yeah, yeah. Just, and like it's, it's
0: just garage door openers. They have yeah, the rope ringing, but the strange. the room they have they have this collar around him and they make it look to him like they're going to take advantage of him. And, and he's thinking, oh, this would be cool. This could be cool. Yeah. And then they turn around and zip and are hanging from the ceiling. And then he realizes, oh, Yay. this is not going to be something And, and then for his when bendable. he
1: yells too much, they gag him. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I think we all like to do that to our boss once in a while. I, th- I
0: think there's one of the things, <laughs> as I started writing Handyman, there, there is the idea of the fantasy that both women and men have yeah. for men there is there is the idea of letting go of themselves and being taken by one or more women dominated Domin- not no well no it's not necessarily the idea of being dominated
2: hmm.
0: it's the idea of in 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 our society there is the man's uh the, the stereotype of a man taking a woman in our history as a species, yeah. the domination of the man taking the woman for procreation is a romantic uh, fantasy, yeah. particularly for women. Yeah, that's true. Women enjoy the chase yeah. every bit as much as men do. Sure. That's
1: um, part of
0: it. Women also enjoy that, the, a lot of women. Enjoy the idea that when the man does indeed catch them, that he takes his his pleasure with her. Now, there there are a whole gamut of things that go into this, um, and there there is a line when that man taking becomes rape, and that is never good. Um, but there are women, and there are even men who fantasize that that kind of a situation might be exciting or titillating. But we run the risk that when we cross these lines in fantasy, that we can put ourselves, our partners, or families at risk, real risk, by crossing these lines. Fantasies are wonderful things to hold close to our hearts. Uh But it's important to understand that sometimes some fantasies are better left fantasies. And there's a good reason for that, and yeah. that is, is that when we embrace a fantasy, when we can have the opportunity to act out that fantasy, it loses its luster. Everything connected to that fantasy loses its value because now we have physically experienced it, and and it's no longer a fantasy. We can no longer extend that fantasy, and 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 you so think that
1: might be one reason why people read romances because they're wanting that. Intimacy or the wanting that that fantasy, and this allows them to read about it, but not have to actually experience it.
0: Absolutely, and and I think that in the in the vicarious experience of of reading about these fantasies and and experiencing them as much as we can, we have we have well way overactive imaginations at times, and. <laughs>
2: For most yeah. of us,
0: we can we can lose ourselves in the story and become the character that we've identified with in the story. And as such, we can appreciate these fantasies in that way up to the point
2: mm-hmm.
0: of enjoying the fantasy, but not physically experiencing it ourselves. It still remains a fantasy right. in our mind.
1: Right. And if we're reading it, then yeah. I mean it
0: comes very close to, the, very close to the physicality to it. Mm-hmm. but it is, it isn't the physicality it's not us in the book it's it's that character
2: that character and character. so that
0: that lets us maintain that boundary between reality and fantasy
2: right
0: and it gives us uh, fantasies give us hope however tenuous they may be
2: mm-hmm.
0: depending on the kind of fantasy that one may have but that fantasy gives us a great deal of hope for the future it can buoy our hearts uh, reading a, a good, exciting book, whether it, whatever genre it might be, whether it be pirates or whether it be uh, science fiction, that fantasy gives us hope. It, it buoys us. It takes us away. It lets us escape from the, the troubles of the world for mm-hmm. for that short time. Yeah. We can become again deeply involved with the characters. Experiencing what they go through in a very short amount of time, in the same way that we do with movies and TV, and that gives us our armor, as it were, to face the world. It recharges our armor to protect us from many of the challenges and, and the difficulties that we face in the world today. So, but you know, whether whether you're an author, whether you're a reader, the idea of fantasies is is important. If we didn't have fantasies, we wouldn't have stories. <laughs>
1: yeah. And heaven forbid that 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 would happen. One well, day we're gonna know that uh, you can call in and ask on questions, or just join in on the fun. It's we're, we're not into you know just one person in a relationship here. We we can have multiple partners here. So at seven one four two four two five one four five. Hey, multiple partners over the line. I mean that's safe. <laughs> <Hey>. it depends. <laughs> You it. know, you know,
2: it, it,
0: it, it, multiple partners is a, is a thought that I've actually considered before, and uh, the problem that you face with multiple partners. Uh, let's let's take the man's fantasy: one guy, two girls. All right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll start there, since I'm the guy. Thank
1: goodness, this is a mature audience. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: The problem is, is that the equipment is designed for a one-on-one relationship. Period. The equipment is not designed for two-on-one. It just isn't whether it's two guys or two girls, on one of the opposite sex. it just the equipment isn't there to do but that. it's
1: not made that way. It's
0: not made that right. way. I
1: mean, you can put them um, in yes, other places.
0: You can put them in other places. But from from the aspect of, of reproduction and the aspects of the full extent of intimacy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and again, here's it's important to understand that um, the handyman is about intimacy. It's about the closeness that people feel when they touch, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when they commune with each other. It's about how they experience those sensations. Mm -hmm. It's not about raw rutting animal sex. Right. Raw... That's not, not that. That's a bad sex. thing. Not it's that, just... that that's a bad thing. There are times, <laughs> there are times that you that, need to that's... get in and get your fix and then move on. Yeah. But that's not what the handyman is. Right. It's not about getting. Yeah. It's not about Gil getting his fix. It's not about any of the women getting their fix either. It's.
1: Well, it's about I want to talk about that for a second. We okay. have different women here, mm-hmm. and and as with any group of people, we each have a different.
0: They each have different
1: tastes. Different tastes, yeah. That's a good way to put it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And so with each woman, he kind of deals with it differently depending on that woman. And then somehow he seems to know what it is that their taste.
2: Well, here's
0: the thing. In any relationship, I have been married multiple times. Three times. Three times. And I've had uh, children by each of these women. And so there is the assumption that I've had sex with him. So that's that's all fine. Oh I'm my good. brother's
1: pretty much one of that, yeah. Yeah, you know, once you have <laughs>
0: kids it's pretty dog obvious that you did something. We couldn't <laughs> afford IVF, so right.
1: that about one way to do that. there's
0: about one way to do that. And I did not use an ice cream scoop. Although um, although
1: you do have that in the
0: profitability in your little <laughs> box. <laughs> So you know, you talk about he approaches this these sessions of intimacy slowly. Hmm. Huh? Slowly. Slowly. Okay. And it's it's important. You know, the differences between men and women. Very few men that I've come across over the years look at intimacy or sex. First of all, they don't look at them in the same sentence. Right. Second of all, they
1: think sex is the same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of men do, it, 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 especially in public. In private, you may find some differences. Um, there there are aspects to intimacy and to sex that you start slow to build it up. And, and women are made different than men. And a woman requires a longer draw to build up. Rather than the man's four-engine rocket at the bottom, I mean, he's there.
1: He's already ready.
0: To he's go. he's ready to go in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: in our society today, we are starved for the relaxed intimacy.
1: Not so much the sex. <laughs> Not so much the sex, which is probably why they keep searching. I mean, you know, the well, yeah. generation. They get into you know uh, how many- bo- movies and shows now are about you know best friends becoming sexual partners and
0: and inevitably what happens is they get time. to the point of intimacy and they become attached,
1: yeah, it's the intimacy um, they they really were looking for anyway
0: exactly you know i've 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 had it proposed to me that and I'm probably going to get a lot of people angry on this one that there really isn't any such thing as being gay, but rather that people who are espousing themselves to be gay are looking for the type of intimacy that people of their same gender are providing. Um, Men who are gay prefer to be with men who provide the kind of intimacy that that man is looking for. Now, whether that means that he's only interested in men, I don't know. The proposal was that it's not that they're interested in men, it's that they're interested in the brand of intimacy that another man provides, and the same for women. It's not that she prefers women over men and in you a know sexual context. in a sexual context, it's more likely that she is interested in the style and type of intimacy that another woman offers.
1: Well, I'm going to say here that if you if anybody's taking that personally, then they really need to you know get a grip. say because you know we're talking about intimacy here, which is a deeper emotional tie to another human being. It has a, it
2: doesn't it has matter? Nothing to do with sex. gender.
1: Right. So it doesn't matter about the gender of of. of so that, and that's what Don's saying. It doesn't. It's not really that. Uh, it's not merely a matter of gender. It's a matter of of what that person needs as far as intimacy. Right. So, you know, don't take when, it this personally because I, of I remember
0: I remember the works of of Robert Heinlein. And he wrote uh several books in his yeah, he's had history. Away with quite
1: a bit in the 50s oh, and sixties. Yeah. That's
0: before um, we you know,
1: we're there, all excited
0: there about things. I've I've always recommended the book Time Enough for Love. Time Enough for Love talks about um and, and in fact he, he in in several of of the chapters and the stories within those chapters, Robert Heinlein talks about many of the aspects of human love, human admiration, uh erotica. Eros, many of the very different divisions that that we have as humans assigned to the relations that occur between men and women and vice versa, and men and men and women and women. And in the book, he even has situations where there are women partnering with women and men partnering with men. But what he did describe that I thought was intriguing, that goes along with this proposal that was made to me, is that these people are not exclusive in their preferences for one gender or the other. It is more about the level of intimacy that they are seeking at that point. And if they are seeking seeking a longer, slower um aspect of intimacy, something that's going to take more than, than the fifteen minutes Uh, then they're going to seek out somebody typically of their same gender. A man will seek for a man and a woman will seek for a woman because they're looking for that longer sense of foreplay.
1: Well, this is not just any, I mean, you know, there are people of, uh, let's say, a man who's seeking a longer uh, intimacy with another person is not necessarily gay.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's not that he's. I'm not sure that gay is the proper way to look at this. As much as it is, is, is an evaluation of what is it that the person is looking for. They're looking for intimacy. They're looking for a personal connection. They're looking for what it is that allows them to make this very personal, very emotional. Very deep connection with another person, whether that's a man or a woman, I don't think is the key
2: issue.
1: Yeah, the thing the key is, I would is say that that John Wayne probably wanted intimacy as well. Yeah, the big strapping man that he was. Sure. Would probably just as happy, or happier with just an intimate intimacy than the, anything else. The
0: challenge that somebody in John Wayne's time and before would have faced is the stereotypical assumption that a big strapping man. Is going to go in he's going to dominate the sexual experience and be the leader and and move through it and guide everything himself if he is not the assumptions that go with it are the man must be primarily experienced more than the woman the man must be the guiding force in the experience mm-hmm. the man is the more heavily muscled, the more physically dominant aspect of the thing and so you know there is all of these stereotypical uh, assumptions but For every man, whether he be the big, burly, muscle-bound freak that we see in the gyms today or whether he is the soft, demure, scrawny little runt down at the library in the computer lab. Um, Makes no difference. We all need varying levels of of intimacy in different parts of our lives. And I think that we seek those differing levels of intimacy. Um, There are other factors that, as men and as women, I think that there are aspects of, in the same way that we can go in a society and enjoy a wine from one restaurant, from one Bordeaux, Mm -hmm. go to a completely different restaurant the same night, and enjoy a different wine with different flavors, different bouquet, and so forth. Be able to understand the two, and then have a preference of, At this time, I'm in the mood for this wine. And this time, over here, I'm in the mood for this different wine. I think that there is an aspect of that differential, differentness, that we take with the people we meet in our lives. When we look at friendships, there are times that I do not want to be with that friend. He talks too much. He's annoying. He (laughs) doesn't know what he's talking about. I can't deal with him right now. But I'll turn to this friend who is sensitive, considerate, listens, Because that's what you need at that time. Because that's what I need at that time. And I think that we couch in our society way too much on the stereotypical assumptions of man plus woman equals this, and that's how it should be the world over.
1: Yeah, because there are many people fighting over this. Exactly. It's like, what's the, you know, why? You
0: Um, know, a, a relationship between two people, whether they be of the same gender or not. Yeah has no bearing on the government or on my job or on these things. If I am functioning in my job, if I'm functioning in my personal life, who cares? Right,
1: what what you're doing in the bedroom.
0: You know, the values that I espouse to my children. <laughs> yeah, as long
1: as you're not hurting any you know society in general, then some of these get to be so perverse that they are hurting yes, they society. Do.
0: And, and and I think there there is a line that needs to be drawn in the sand when it comes to the rights of some people to espouse their values and, and, and so forth upon others, and I think there needs to be a line drawn in the sand. But I don't think we need to be shooting each other over it.
1: No, and I don't think we'll. I, I don't understand why the government has to be involved in that.
0: Well, here, here's something. It's consider. all a
1: matter of doing, being human, and doing the right thing. If, if I understand that, that the. Uh, they will have the rights to be able to go into the room with their their significant other um, in the hospital because they're not married right so that, therefore they should be married
0: but here's the thing as society as our society continues to grow and evolve um, while hospital policy may stand that way, the which, nurses
1: which if they simply said you know hey they' they're they are together they've been together for ten years
0: well but here's here's something else. The, the the purpose of a hospital, in a hospital, their purpose is to protect and maintain that person's life and hopefully help them heal to be able to leave the hospital in, in good shape. And part of that responsibility resolves around the idea that they keep that person safe while they are healing. Right. And so they want to, I, I can understand the idea that they want to protect that person from people who might cause them harm. And so they limit visitors to family members. And that's on the surface, it's a good way to do it. But what I was referring to is, is that there are changes happening slowly in the hospitals and in their administration where, to a large degree, nursing staff on a floor has a certain amount of latitude in whom they can allow into a room and whom not,
2: right. because right. they
0: are the gatekeepers. Okay. And, and for many, whether somebody is gay or not, it's nobody's business. The Hospital staff really doesn't
1: care if that patient feels more comfortable with that person,
0: then generally it would
1: help them to heal because they're around,
0: and that's what the hospital is all about. The they're going they're to they're encourage that. I, I truly believe that there's, there's an aspect that that can happen, that there is in place ways for, for people who, and if we did that, fit. we wouldn't
1: need government involvement.
0: I don't think we need government involvement anyway.
2: Uh, so I, you I'm know, the government opinion. being
1: involved has to do with the fact that the people are 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 following policy instead of being human.
0: Well, okay, you, you're going to push us into politics. So I'll <laughs> give it to you straight here. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, I think everybody is. Well, wait, I man, do not. They wanted to say in the sex, but <laughs> no.
0: I do not believe that the government has any business in the personal lives of citizens. Period. I think that there is and should be a wall around a person's home, a wall around a person's privacy, until such time as there is viable suspicion. And the Constitution, the Bill of Rights...
1: Viable suspicion.
0: Viable, provable, well,
1: yeah, viable
0: suspicion. To... What do they call it? Under the law, I think it's called probable cause.
1: Probable cause.
0: You have to have probable cause to get a search warrant. And even with the search warrant, You've got to show justification
2: for, for the NRS, awarding
0: of that right, of that search warrant, right. and I think those protections, while they are under fire, they'll always be under fire. It's our responsibility as citizens to protect these rights because mm-hmm. it's that's that's
1: why we have rights. That's
0: for. why we have rights. At the same time, I do think that our government,
1: our light, right has so, grown
0: to such a degree,
1: yeah.
0: and that we as citizens, in general, the citizenry has fallen to such a a point of lack of personal responsibility that they have depended upon Social Security and Medicare and and government assistance to such a point that we've become a nation of weenies, (laughs) of whiny little babies trying to protect something that the government doesn't have the responsibility to protect. The, government, the federal government of the United States was established to protect our national borders. That means a federal army. That mm-hmm. means providing laws that afford the states means and policies to get along with each other.
2: The right. federal
0: yeah, government yeah, yeah, yeah. should have never done anything that got to the point where it crossed State lines and got into our personal lives. Well,
1: I think anybody who screams, you know, that uh, political rightness, you know, to be politically correct and all that, honestly, they are the ones actually uh, creating the uh, atrocities, it's supposed to be, um, because of the fact that they're they're screaming that in the first place.
0: I think. Let me let me make a couple like, things. Can here, we Claire. just
1: all get along?
2: <laughs>
0: the problem is, is it, it like sex? like gay and lesbian rights, yeah. we have many different things. And and the greatest problem that I feel that exists is that we have gone, we have progressed to such a point that we depend on the federal government to do things for us, that we depend on our state governments to right. do things for us that they never should have been doing in the first place. Right. And so the pers- the level of personal responsibility that we are held to account for, or should be held to account for, isn't happening. Parents are not guiding their children to teach them a good work ethic. Parents are not disciplining the children early in, in youth so that they are prepared for school to learn. Instead, our schools have become playgrounds for kids who don't have manners, who don't have any respect for authority, and who are not learning what they need to learn Teachers are on the chopping block because they can't teach children who won't sit down listen and learn and apply themselves. Administrators are nothing more in my mind than money hungry fools who are looking pusher. at jo- paper pushers who are looking at job security and getting bonuses based on yeah, numbers don't, don't, that don't, don't even apply.
1: get me started um, i, I call you know, high schools and unions have outlived the their
0: long their usefulness i mean i i I could go on and on and on
1: yeah.
2: and and
0: when you look at these things, you look at. The core point is personal responsibility. Where does the line get drawn? Where should it be drawn between personal responsibility and what an organization is supposed to provide? A school is designed and set up to teach children the basic skills to survive in our society that cannot generally be acquired at home because the parents are working or because...
1: The same thing goes with sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. You need to have your own line that you don't want to cross. But on the other hand, you should not make somebody else follow that line.
0: The principles of this this country were founded on the idea that my right to punch you in the nose stops where your nose begins. Right. My right to force my ideas. You
1: can't assault me. Yeah. My
0: right to assert my ideas ends right. at
1: yeah. the
0: reach of my fingers. And if my fingers it, come into your it, space, it, I'm violating your rights. Right. I don't care whether it's gay rights, I don't care whether it's big government versus small government, I don't care if it's welfare and social security. My responsibility is to myself and my family. I am ultimately responsible for their welfare. I can do the best that I can do, but if other people interfere in that in my ability to meet those needs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: then my responsibility diminishes. Because they are interfering in that. And whether that's through you know these nasty divorces you see on TV where the parents are more interested in getting back at each other than they are in looking mm. at the welfare of the kids, yeah. which is what they should be looking at. And you end up in these great big huge multi-million dollar uh, <coughs> uh, support agreements that, that end up in litigation for, for as much as a decade at a time. It's just it's asinine. Yeah. Personal responsibility is the key. A person's responsibility focuses on the self, the family, and any children. Then you have ethical responsibilities that apply to your job, your, job, mm-hmm. your home, and your contractual obligations, such as mortgage and utilities and things like this. And, and we in this country have lost
2: personal a great deal of that
0: sense of personal responsibility. We have people living on we, – we have people who work for the government – who spend 20 years in the military, they get out of the military when they're um, when they're 35, when they're 45 or 50 years old, and then they go back to the government. They work as a contractor all the while they're receiving their pension for their first 20 years in the military. Now they're back working for the government on civil service, and they're earning another pension, which
2: Double by the time down. they're
0: they're they're 65, they're now retiring from civil service. and Now they're getting a second pension, for which I think that is wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, how much money do they need?
0: Yeah. You know, I, do I have an alternative solution? Well, I do, but this is not a forum for that discussion. But right. um, the, the reality is that I think a pension. We were
1: talking about the handyman, weren't we?
0: We were talking about the handyman. <laughs> Boy, you got me started on a different topic, didn't you? <laughs>
1: well, this but goes I'm, to, this I'm, goes I'm, okay, to show how here. diverse thought. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and again. Things about the author well when you when you look things at things about the author always get into the book they they just do. they do
0: and our and
1: thoughts is, our 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 political views our uh ethical you know uh views and and anything that's just that about us do get into the book somehow
0: they do and and we see that in in Gill and his exploration in that he doesn't cross the line to push these women in the relationships he finds himself in, he's not pushing either his desires or his wants or his needs upon these women. He is offering an experience to them and they embrace that experience and then they go their ways. Now, one could call this a free love circumstance, but it's not. It's very different from the older uh, 60s relationship that, that many people were looking for. This is not the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he, he generally... Has a single experience with these women? Okay, one might call it a one-night stand. Maybe, maybe that might be it. But when you read the book, you'll discover that that's definitely not what's happening either.
1: Hmm. Well, it yeah.
0: You know, it's definitely not a one-night stand for him. No. And so we have to. I mean, we you take it Thinking
1: that, but the thing is, by by because of how you took the beginning, mm-hmm. where he gets into the rack and he, he's, he's in a coma. And then you see his relationship or his and his life through other people's eyes.
0: And you see the relationships that, uh, that you see those level. experiences that the women yeah. had with him and then you see the other things that when he does wake up and when he does begin to return home and now you begin to get a flavor for what he's like day to day. And that adds to being obnoxious by the
2: way. <laughs> Which
1: which goes and to show this, just which goes the show, author, my point.
0: Aspects of the that author every creep aspects in.
1: of the author always get into the book.
0: Yes, I am as opinionated,
1: <laughs> which is why we're getting to other subjects. Okay,
0: absolutely. Um, um, but
1: you're the only reason why you can talk for two hours, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, are
0: you putting a limit on the conversation?
1: Well, yeah, I was. <laughs>
0: There's
1: always a limit on these conversations, but um, I, the only person I know that can. That can handle a conversation for two hours, as you.
0: <laughs> and is it really a conversation, or just a lecture?
1: Well, sometimes it's a lecture with you, <laughs> and that's okay because, again, that's just how uh, we we can talk back and forth and have different ideas. We don't always agree. Well, you know,
0: I, I remember in, in our conversation, uh, you know, when you when you read the handyman stories as they were rather rough at the time. And then you said you wanted the book. And that was that was exciting to me, and it kind of got me going on, on the other things. And then when I showed you
1: well, the you, outline you said, for well, you might, Ancestors, you, you it. And I said, well, I'm not a publisher. And I said, well, why not? There you go. <laughs>
0: there is an aspect in my point of view that presumes that anyone has the capacity to do whatever they choose to do. Gil is a handyman now, but we don't know much about his history.
1: Right. And,
0: in the, what happens, in, and, and if I do right, Was he
1: always a handyman? Was he
0: always a handyman? We don't know yet. And when we look at any story that we read, we don't know the history of those characters. So we don't know what they're capable of. And that's what makes the stories exciting,
1: so that, not, that aspect sure of discovery. Maybe he understands the bad guy because he that part of that inside him. He no?
0: doesn't understand the bad guy. Oh. Gil has no clue okay. about the bad guy. Doesn't meet him till the end of the book. Okay?
2: Right.
0: Let's not let's not suggest anything more than it is. And in fact, you know, if if we look at Gil, there there is a category of of protagonists that he represents, and that is the aspect that he is the unexpected hero.
1: He is the unexpected hero. Well, he is an unexpected
0: yeah. hero to the max. I mean, it's just reluctant like, hero. Not he, he. is reluctant. Yeah, I mean, until faced with the situation, well, and how then he we acts. Are, you
1: know, when we're we're faced with something that you know, uh, an emergency situation. Right. Uh, so how do we handle it? Well, we don't think about it ahead of time. When we're in the moment, we well, and this
0: act. And this is true. And as as we as the reader looks at at, at Gill through the eyes of the women in the early part of the story, one can draw the conclusion that Gil is a man who simply does what's necessary at the moment. He doesn't focus on the societal consequences. He doesn't look at religious consequences. He doesn't look at will this physically hurt me? He doesn't look at is there a danger here? He simply does what needs to be done at the moment. Now, is Which he
1: is a risk taker? It does. It's a you know he's a handyman in more than just you know a couple of levels, and as we were saying, he acts on how he thinks he needs to act at that moment.
0: He assesses the situation, situation and he moves into the situation, addressing what he can do.
1: So it's not just in. Gee, should I use a screwdriver for this this, this screw, or should I use a hammer for this nail?
2: Yeah.
1: He's more of, of, I'm going to help this person to get past this in this way. Right. Then he just does it.
0: (laughs) And at the risk of of offending someone else, he chooses to use the right tool for the right job.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, that's (laughs) what it takes. We don't always like the same thing over and over again either, do we? That's true. So, um, so let's talk about future books of yours,
0: okay? Well, I started to allude to a little bit of, of, of that. Um, with there There is the major project that I have, above all others, and that is the Chronicles of the Five Races.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This one I love to talk about.
1: Well, yeah, but I wanted to just let the readers know a little bit ah, about your Panty Man stories. We're... Okay.
2: we're
0: I'm toying with the idea we'll of more book. books in the series, okay. but I'm 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 struggling with the idea that I don't want it to become another um, Columbo or something like this. Because Gil is not the, Gil might be the primary no, no, character of, of the not. book, yeah. but he is he is simply the the unexpected hero in the situation.
1: So, he so is that's just the hard in part book. is making him the unexpected hero every book. Is kind of is is kind of hard to think about that is
0: that. that is kind
2: of hard. we we
1: have come up with a couple of premises you and I have bounced you know the idea across mm-hmm. back and forth on that and I think that you know, you've got two very viable ideas of well stories that you could take
0: we'll see how the handyman it's we'll see how Ocarth Handyman Ocarth is received and you know um I may try a second book and and, and I look forward to that exercise um, but I really have to think about you know in any author who who engages a serial of books, you have many challenges in the handyman there is there is a clear um structure to the story itself
2: mm-hmm.
0: we 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 have six women who have intimate experiences, and that draws us a picture of our main character, Gill who is unavailable at that part of the story. In the second half of the book, we have the police investigation and the interaction of the police with these women who then draw additional information about our handyman, but also additional information about our antagonist.
2: Right. And
0: and then our main character our main female character comes out more in this second half of the book. Mm-hmm. And then as we come to the close of the story where they all come together and, and we see how the story wraps up Again, this this creates a a structure that oftentimes when we read the first book in a series, we expect that structure to remain, and so we have expectations right. in the second book. That's
1: true. That's true. As a reader. And so, what
0: I'm looking for as an author is how can I take this character, mm-hmm. present him in a second book, have aspects in the aspects, same, style, in, in the the same style, but not in a way that becomes old. Right. and and overused and, right. and to simply do the same formula again would be a waste because it would be disappointing um, yes well, I could use different tools but you know um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, uh, and while that in and of itself provides uh, some refreshing uh, storylines the, 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 the issue
1: is obviously that the readers need to know if I invest in this book am I going to get more of them? Mm-hmm then really, that's what it's that's what for a reader, that's what it's about.
0: And if we and if, if we're I fall looking in love at with this book,
1: writer for this book,
0: but are we falling in love, are we falling in love with the writer or are we falling in love with the character? And this is another aspect that a that an author has to look at. If the character is Gil and Deirdre in this first book, am I going to read more about Deirdre and Gil in the next book?
1: I'm not sure if I've actually fell in love with Gil though.
0: Or just the idea of the story?
1: I fell in love with the idea of the story.
0: Mm-hmm. The so, handyman himself.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> well, we need to know as readers. It's, it's, we want to know, hey, if I'm going to invest my time in reading this one story, am I going to get more out of this?
0: There will be more stories, Whether whether there will be another book. I'm not sure yet. We're just getting started on the, the marketing and the release of this book, so my my focus is is less about the next book in the uh, line. Yes,
1: you are as the author, but me as the publisher would like to know that there's other books coming behind it because <laughs> I like to know that, it, that again. It, not there
0: will be more stories about Gil.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> there will be more stories about Gil, and okay. if as as I explore the idea of the toolbox, which, which is really coming along. I, I think there's a lot to offer in the idea of, of Gil's toolbox.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, then there is, I think, also the potential for more stories. Uh, yeah. A second book, I am working on a second book outline, and I do have a third book storyline in mind. Um, whether it will actually be finished, well, time will tell. Yeah. And And here's the thing. When I when Handyman started,
2: the third book. <laughs>
0: when when Handyman went from being a few erotic stories to becoming the novel that it is now, yeah. and Gil became the, the the main character, and and Deirdre began telling her story to me,
1: and as, that guy came in
0: as these as these things began to talk, as these characters began to talk to me and to tell me their story, which is which is really an interesting dynamic. An author may in his mind, hear the whisper of a story idea. Yeah, sure. He may then take the time to nurture that story into something bigger that then becomes the individual characters and the scenarios and the scenes. Those have to percolate and develop to a point before we actually get to the point and decide that, yes, that's a viable story. Mm-hmm. It is a viable novel or novella and that's that's when it really starts I mean, to get interesting. I mean, yeah,
1: I said back when you, when I read it first, I said, well, if you have a bunch of stories put together about these women
2: uh-huh.
1: who have a relationship with this with this handyman, then that that's a story by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have published that one too. Uh-huh. But it's if when you, by putting the suspense in with it, you made it into a lot deeper, more broader story,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. Because you did, I think there's a lot more you could do with it. And
0: there are aspects that, that I could branch out a bit as well. I mean, there are other characters. We have the, the members of the staff of the police, and some of them have some rather intriguing quirks. Um, <laughs> so th- there there is a lot of room to, to grow and, and appreciate these characters.
1: We're coming 20 minutes, and I want you to get into your ancestors and kind of what your other story line is. Um, so... Take it away on that, uh, because I, I did tell everybody about how many, about you have a multiple book set with, like, three stories each and multiple genres, and that's, that's how we kind of, see, nobody else would actually do that as <laughs> publisher. I am an so.
0: ambitious ass at times, aren't I? <laughs> I
1: was going to say you're a bitch to deal with it, times. Yeah, well, so... On Ancestors, tell us more about the breadth of that whole project.
0: Ancestors started as an idea as the result of a book I read about um, a druid from Roman times. There was a an individual named Vercingetorix, who was raised in the Gallic territories when Rome was uh, in the time of Caesar, and I was had been looking at druids and what they meant to us in history through archaeology and through different things like that and was just intrigued by this concept. So I thought I'd write a book that suggested an origin for where druids might have come from. And and we have very little in the archaeological record to identify conclusively where druids came from, what what was their philosophy. We have tantalizing hints throughout the archaeological records, throughout various different um, placemark and stone marker records throughout uh, a lot of uh, England and and Europe. But nothing that concretely suggests or gives us any kind of a road map of where they came from and and how they appeared on the scene. So I thought that that would be an interesting book. And as I got about halfway through, researching ancestors, I discovered that there was a whole breadth of things that potentially tied in. And by making it a historical fantasy about the potential origins of Druids and and, and where did they come from, how did they come to this point of being called Druids, and what were some of the the rather simple things that could happen. Uh, I learned that in history, oftentimes, things become great and, and and grandiose, but they had very humble beginnings. We look at many of the words we use today. They started out as, as a description of a person's vocation. Uh, uh, a person's last name, It might be blacksmith, could be traced down through the genealogy through history to someone who was a blacksmith, and that further back to someone who worked as a smithy who worked at a very black sooty kind of a job? Who then further back uh, um, is is traced to simply somebody who works with metal, and further back to somebody who hand fashions um, iron and stone materials. And, and of course, if you look at what's called the etymology of things, or the way that they where they came from and progressed, this become can become very intriguing at times. What I found is in doing that research is I looked at Atlantis and I looked at the Druids and I looked at the Gauls and I looked at the history and the mythologies of Rome and Greece and I, and I found that there were many parallels and so then I began and that research began to explode and I ended up with an outline for a four book series that takes the, the, the Druidic ancestors. Uh, in the book Ancestors, carries them forward to the 1800s, and then there grew out of that a desire for a prequel. And the prequel was, well, okay, if I suggest that the Druids came from Atlantis, well, where did Atlantis come from? And so we have the first four books that suggest. And uh, as I got through the Druids and their impact on our society through the 1800s, then this whole thing about the Mayan calendar shows up. Oh, and so now I'm looking at um, a 2012 book that talks about what and why are these things happened. What was it that the Mayans saw in the world and the astronomical events and so forth, and how does all this relate? And so what we end up with is then I ended up with a th- third series that's part of the Chronicles of the Five Races, that then goes into contemporary fiction and ultimately into science fiction, which takes us out into space with the remnants of these secret societies that have grown up throughout our species throughout the many thousands of years. so we end up starting out uh, in in if you look at the breadth of the series, we start out at the very beginnings of human recorded human history. Well back away in in 10,000 BC with the arrival of those who would ultimately build Atlantis. In 8,500 BC, we have their arrival in conjunction with a massive event on the North American continent. And in the 3,100 period, we see the destruction of Atlantis as a result of this 5,000-year cycle that... The Mayans had traced back to the 8500 B.C. event. Come forward, 3100 B.C., was there was a great big huge event. The Mayans saw this in the early turn of the, the millennium period and drew their conclusions and projected forward to 2012. And so we have a foundation here for the cycle that may or may not exist. Only time will tell. Wow! <laughs> I made it
1: short. Yes, you did. You did. You did in ten minutes or less. <laughs> the Breath of the history by Don in less
0: than ten minutes. Ancestors starts. The entire series is is an epic in the sense that it follows uh, a couple of families from their original planet to their their arrival here on Earth and the establishment of Atlantis. That family's travels through the history of Atlantis, the destruction of Atlantis. Our survivor, Drew, is of that same family Mm -hmm. line. His children lead the Druids, and it is his daughter in the 2012 book who leads the the secret societies that band together to help humans survive the end of the 5,000-year cycle and the beginning of the next one. And then she... Ultimately leads us into space with her new romantic partner that she discovers.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so you've kind of gone to, to the beginning of uh, known oh, and, human and, and, civilization.
0: And, and by the way, I, I incorporate it in ancestors. We see the birth of witchcraft in its current what we in our current mythology. Oh. We see the inception of the very first witch and warlock uh, on the British Isles and 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 how they come to that name. Uh in the second book um after the the first book after ancestors, we learn more about that, how that witch and warlock actually those terms came to be. And 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 how their powers manifested and, and how people then and I do
1: you know you um, have like elves and uh you have an elf?
0: I do introduce an elf and ancestors. In
1: ancestors. Uh then in the prequel series,
0: someone. in the prequel series, we find out where those elves came from, and the oh. premise
2: oh. that
0: one thing that the one thing that I discovered in my research that, that throughout mythology, in every myth that we have, there is somewhere a grain of truth. While there are wonderful ideas that we come up with in our imagination, there is usually some causative flicker somewhere that was the inspiration for that idea.
1: Well, vampires, for instance.
0: Mm-hmm. Vampires. Uh, history tells us the vampires are based on the the family Dracul in Carpathia Transylvania, that that area of mm-hmm. of Europe, and yet and, and based on a very bloodthirsty or creature. Vlad
1: the uh, impaler.
0: Vlad the impaler exactly. And so we have these wonderful little vignettes that that offer a tantalizing clue As to their origin. But what I suggest is is is, is I tend to look at mythology from more of a realistic what did people experience and and the principle that one man's uh, if you took a man from gallic england and you showed him an automobile that would be magic but to us it's an internal combustion engine
2: right it's
1: no big deal
0: when we look back in history the idea of a shaman who can create this magical explosion of smoke and one minute he's there the next minute he's gone that's magic and in our technological world we look back on that and and we we hearken to that as um uh, not having our mysteries answered hmm. we look for this wonderment and awe of those times of not knowing the answers like we do today. Right. And I think that's a lot of times what our draw to the age of pirates, the age of magic, wow. the age of elves and golems and hobbits, and why we are attracted to that, that this That this age of mystery that mm-hmm. was there. And that's why we are attracted to it. I look at space and I see a wonderful... Uh, ethereal area of magic that we do not know and I I am astounded at how people choose to say well we shouldn't go to space but if we're to recapture
2: well
0: it's not not even about it being a frontier it's more about it being this aspect of wonderment and awe and discovery Um, we see the pictures from Hubble we have lost in the same way that we talked earlier about this aspect of personal responsibility. If we do not have personal responsibility, the aspect of personal awe and wonder becomes harder to obtain. Hmm. It's harder for us to appreciate yeah, sure the two of them together. Absolutely, and most people don't. If we are strong in ourselves, we have the ability to be appreciative of something new and exciting. Mm -hmm. But if we are not personally responsible, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: we have the assumption that this other person will take care of that. This other person will protect us. This other person will provide for us. Mm -hmm. There is no awe in that. There is no excitement. There is only the assumption that we will be cared for. But when we have personal responsibility, we have the ability to be awed. We have the ability to be surprised. Mm. We have the ability to be intrigued. I can yeah, say the, though
1: that you know here we are expecting other people to to provide for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the ones that scream. You know uh, that our rights are being taken away. Exactly. Uh, you can't have it both ways. That's true. You either need to be personally responsible and do something. You know to fulfill your life or you have somebody else do it for you.
0: And in many ways the behavior of Gil in what he does and how he approaches the women hmm. it can be seen on, on the one hand as a very responsible collection of actions that, that he goes through. Um, he does not do anything that would put him in a position to um, cause problems for these women. Mm-hmm. it's quiet, it's private, it's intimate when there is a third party involved that third party respects the privacy of the two individuals engaging in this intimacy um, there are conversations where our characters discover the intimacy that was shared by the other characters right. and they have very frank open discussions <laughs> yeah. about these yeah, maybe. Um, the mother and daughter
1: yeah. discover yeah, that's, that's this get into too much detail there um, and I try as a, as a publisher, I try to to tell authors don't give the whole everything too much away.
0: Absolutely, don't
1: give too much away there, because there
0: must be the mystery of the story. There must be to a mystery of the, the story author.
1: because otherwise, why would you want it? Exactly. So, with that in mind, tell us why should an, a reader want to read the handyman?
0: The handyman is a different kind of sensuous romance or uh, suspense and romance. There there is the suspense of are they going to catch the bad guy, but you learn about your bad guy ways you haven't seen learning about him before, in little snippets that just it's it it can give you the heebie-jeebies in (laughs) spots. And, and that's what well, I think you draws look, us make to through those
1: people who are opening a door for you are off well, yeah, <laughs> um,
0: I take in the handyman, I take everyday events, everyday things that we do mm-hmm. and that we take for granted, and they become focus points for the mystery, focus points for the is there intimacy around the corner for me is there uh is there a risk around the corner is is there um I try to bring in, in the handyman out the idea that around the corner of that building what could be waiting for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. hmm
0: The mystery of everyday life.
1: Also, That's
0: what the handyman is. Also the
1: mystery of intrigue. They also the the whole idea of of Gil helping these women in completely different yet intimate ways. Mm-hmm. Um That of course he is is a uh, man
0: after all, and he does have his needs.
1: (laughs) I'm sure, (laughs) and we won't say how that gets taken care of later. But um, it's an interesting book. It's not that that uh, large of a book. It's not that many pages, really. But it's definitely packed with a very thorough story, and you can find that book for sale at. Yeah, you know, with free free shipping. Uh, Direct from the publisher at az like Arizona ArizonaPublishingServices.com slash bookstore. You can also get out find a lot of this information right on my on my uh, Facebook page.
0: And I believe you have put us out in several outlets as well.
1: Have you not? A lot of outlets. We're
0: yeah. at, we're at. Uh, we're on
1: Amazon. We're on Kindle. We're on. Uh, b b n and,
0: and the handyman is is available on the, all these outlets
1: is on those three yeah
0: it's available on those three outlets for sure
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you know pick pick your outlet of choice uh download the book and Let's enjoy if you
1: need in a different format let me know we can probably kind of buy that for you right from the web from the publisher website p d f ebook all the different ebooks there you EPUB. Go. You want it? We get it for you. <laughs>
0: we like to. We aim to satisfy. <laughs> yes,
1: we aim to satisfy, just like Gil. <laughs> so with that, we're on our last four minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and close for the day. Um, thanks, John, for coming in.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> so this is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWD Radio signing out for the weekend. You guys have a great time, and I will be talking to you. We have our next show is going to be on Tuesday at 5:30 p.m. to seven. Uh, that's Arizona time or Mountain time, and that is with Steve Enna, uh, I sure hope I didn't butcher his name. Is E N N A? Uh, he's written a book with a friend of his, um, Mr. Wooten, and it's called Aloha. It's a, a political satire based on what if situation where if they bought if they sold Hawaii to China, would that get us out of debt so <laughs> it's an interesting premise and a very very fun idea um and they're talking about what if what if uh Obama doesn't get reelected in twenty twelve what could we possibly find ourselves with after that, and how to actually execute um uh, things that need to happen in our country. So with that, we'll be talking about that on Tuesday night with Steve right here at KWOD Radio. And I'm signing off. God, have a great weekend. And talk to you on Tuesday. Good night.